Welcome to another episode of the Oxford Lafayette and Region Sports Podcast. This is episode number six of the OLR Podcast. This episode will feature a preview of the defending 6A state champion Oxford Charger football team with Oxford head coach Chris Cutcliffe entering his fifth season as the head coach. If you would like to sponsor the OLR Podcast, contact me through a direct message on Twitter at BenMichael underscore FW or you can send me an email at placefair234 at yahoo.com. Again, that's placefair234 at yahoo.com for more information. Since the last podcast, there's been a little bit of news to tell you about with Oxford student-athletes. Oxford place kicker Jack Tannehill has announced over Twitter that he has decommitted from Ole Miss. Tannehill has been committed to Ole Miss since the June of 2019. He currently holds offers from Eastern Kentucky and Southern Mississippi. In three years, Tannehill is 92 of 93 in point after field goals and 28 of 39 field goal attempts with a long of 48 yards, which he made against one central last year in the playoffs. In baseball, Oxford's Locke Elliott has committed to Northeast Mississippi Community College to play baseball for the Tigers. Lock in 50 total games for Oxford has an average of 257 with 4 doubles, 18 RBI, 21 walks, 6 hit by pitches, giving him a 399 on base percentage, and he has scored 24 runs. Last Saturday, Oxford Rising freshman Carson Smeltzer threw a 7 inning no hitter for the travel baseball team Easley Baseball Club in a weekend baseball tournament. I also want to extend my congratulations first for Oxford track and cross country head coach Chris Patton on his marriage to his new wife Elizabeth this past Saturday and also to Oxford football head coach Chris Cutcliffe and his wife Molly on her new baby boy Lewis Cutcliffe who was born last week on July 15th. With the news portion over, it is now time to preview the upcoming Oxford Charger football season with fifth year head coach Chris Cutcliffe. Cutcliffe, over his first four years, has compiled an overall record of 39 wins and 13 losses, which includes a state championship from last December. I am now here with Oxford head coach Chris Cutcliffe, who is about to talk about how his team is preparing for the upcoming football season. And coach, thank you for being here on the OLR podcast. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Glad to be here. So um, we'll start talking about position groups first before we talk about the outlook on the season. Start with the position you're most favored with, quarterbacks. Obviously, you lose John Marr, very athletic quarterback, solid passer, better runner. And I know Michael Harvey was the backup last year. Does he have, like, the lead going into this season as the starting job? Well, Michael definitely had a great uh, JV season for us last year, and, and we were really pleased with his development. Uh, and I think Michael's had a really good summer, you know. Obviously, um, replacing a quarterback, uh, you know, it, it probably especially hurts you to not get to have spring practice. But I think we've, uh, you know, tried to get as much uh, accomplished, you know, during all of the quarantine time and, and out of school time, you know, with virtual meetings and making sure those guys were ready. And so I think Michael's done a great job. And we have two seniors. We have uh, Will Pollard and we have Lucas McEwen, and they both um, have, have been in our program now for three years and, and had good success last year with our JV team. And, uh, you know, they've, they've also had good summers. And then we've got a, a young guy, Tripp Maxwell, who uh, will be a sophomore and I think had an outstanding freshman year for us. And uh, so I, I think we've got some guys that can, that can throw the football, you know. And, um, you know, so we've been really pleased with that group overall. Uh, you know, and, I, and I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, seeing them continue to grow and develop. 
Absolutely, and now we'll talk about the wide receivers, the playmakers that catch the ball on offense. Obviously, really throughout the whole team, you lost a lot of senior-led death, but wide receivers, who do you have returning that can help out on the football team this year? Well, let's start with D.K. Johnson. Um, D.K., uh, at the receiver position, was our leading uh, receiver a year ago, and he's back uh, and has been very consistent uh, in his production really for several years now. And so we're expecting, you know, the best best yet from D.K. Um, he's put in a lot of work, and, and I expect to, to see some good things from him. We've got Jalen Webb, and Jalen has just had an outstanding summer. He's gotten uh, – he's always been fast. I think he's gotten faster, um, you know, and he's – uh, really taking ownership in his work and, and doing a fantastic job. Uh, we've got uh, some other guys that haven't played uh, as much in the past uh, as those two, but we've got some guys we're excited about. You know, so staying at our outside receiver spots, we got Henry Moss, who's a senior, uh, and Henry. Uh, has, we've been really pleased with what we've seen from Henry so far this summer. Uh, we got, you know, some young guys uh, making some pushes at that position as well. Uh, in the slot, we have two seniors that, that have stepped up and, and have had a good, you know, good summer so far and uh, done a good job. One would be Jay Wortham, uh, who is a returning player, uh, who's played some in the past, uh, you know, has kind of had some older guys ahead of him, uh, but has really developed over the years, and we think uh, we're going to see big things from him. And then we have Alex Childers, uh, who, who has been a baseball player, uh, but is out playing football now and uh, has, has really looked good in that position as well. Um, you know, and then uh, I don't know if you're, you want to move on to tight ends separately, I guess. We can talk about them in a minute. Well, yeah, I was kind of – I kind of left that out when I talked about wide receivers. But, obviously, the one person we're all going to miss is J.J. Piggies. Not just what he brought tight end blocking or what he's done running the football, but just a big body that during your cannonball set, he was just pretty much a bully that you're going to miss. Well, there's no doubt. Um, you know, J.J. can do so many things so well on the football field. You know, it's – not very often you're going to have somebody that can do all that he did. So, you know, we're going to have to share that load in, in replacing his production. And, and our tight end group, uh, I'm excited about that group. We've got uh, a strong group of seniors that, uh, you know, last year we had J.J. and Clay Cromwell both go on to play Division One football at that position. So these guys played some uh, last year, but, you know, we're, we're kind of behind those guys waiting their turn. And, uh, you know, so now I think it's really their time to jump on the scene um, you know, Trenton Brandon, Alec Vaughn, Cortland Wilfall, and those three guys uh, as senior tight ends uh, that I see uh, big, big things from this season, all three of them. Absolutely, and you're one to always be using your tight ends, not just J.J. and Clay, but you've used plays where you've used a little-used tight end. Now they're going to be more in the spotlight instead of like, oh, I wonder what he's going to do with this or we shouldn't worry about him now. Well, yeah, so it's, you know, when, when you have a guy like J.J., um, you know, he takes a lot of the attention from the defense. So now it's, it's, it is going to be uh, somebody else's responsibility to step up and handle that kind of pressure, you know, and, and you're not so much of a, you know, an unknown. You know, you're, uh, people know who you are. They're looking for you. So uh, they got to definitely got to step up to the plate and handle that. Now at the running back position, K.J. Wadley was pretty big down the, in the state championship game. He was pretty big throughout the season. Wasn't used as often as much of other running backs, 15, 20 touches a game. But when he had the ball, he was a hard runner. Who do we have in the backfield that's going to replace his um, hard working mentality? Well, you've got Omar Howell back, who we thought had a good 10th grade season for us, and we're excited about Omar. Um, you know, and, and, and we got Roman Gregory, who will be a 10th grader, who had a really outstanding freshman year uh, in the freshman league last year. And so uh, you know, we expect big things from Roman moving forward, and 
got senior Cam McJunkins uh, also at the running back position. Uh, and, and Cam, uh, again, is a, is a kid that he, he shows up to work every single day uh, and has his, throughout his career. Uh, and we expect to see him get on the field some this year as well. All right, now moving on to the offensive line. You do have players returning there, particularly your center. And tell talk about what the makeup of the offensive line is going to be this year. Well, you've got three, um, three returning starters. Uh, from the end of the season, uh, senior Jamal Piggies, and then two juniors, Stratton Smith and Bryce Mullen. Um, we also have a couple other seniors who've played a lot of football, Bryson Barksdale and Efren Rivera, and they have started on and off at different times in their career. Uh, so you could really count them as returning starters with the experience level they have. Um, you know, and then we've got uh, three or four guys uh, behind that group who have really developed well in our JV and freshman uh, programs and they haven't played a ton of snaps yet in varsity football but we think that uh, they're developing into really good players and going to give us some depth you know we'd really like to be able to rotate some guys in on the offensive line we were able to do that most of the season last year uh, something we like to do is play uh, you know seven to eight guys up front on the offensive line and I think that we've got some guys earning those opportunities absolutely and you can't replace experience, experience, particularly along what you're projecting to be your starting five. You can't replace that with an offensive line. That'll definitely help moving forward with the new playmakers out there on the field. Yeah, there's no doubt. When you've got, uh, you know, some, some experienced guys up front, it uh, makes all the difference in the world. You know, offensive line is, uh, they've got to be such a cohesive unit. Um, they've got to all be on the same page. Uh, and so when you have some experienced guys returning at that position, it definitely helps. Now moving to the defensive side of the ball, let's start with the guys up front, the defensive line. I know we lost Keon Williams, a big playmaker last year. I think he had led the team in tackles. And talk about who's going to be up there trying to get to the other team's quarterback. Well, we did lose a lot of senior production on defense for sure. Um, you know, and, and defensive line, we certainly lost some good players, but uh, we also we always play a lot of guys on our defensive line. So, uh, you know, you, you could you could say on the one hand that we're not returning any starters on the defensive line, but you would also say that we're returning a lot of experienced players. There's a lot of guys on our defensive front who've played a lot of snaps in big moments. And so, you know, we think that we have a chance to, to continue our, our high level of production up front on the defensive line. We've got some strong seniors in that group. You've got Connor Bradley. You've got Gray McKellar. Jamari Sims, those three guys have played a lot of football for us. David Kendrick uh, is a guy that, that played outside backer for us a year ago. He'll be a senior. We're moving him um, you know, down to the defensive line. Uh, and then we've got some young guys coming along. So, you know, like I said, we, you could say that we've lost all, you know, all three starters from our defensive line a year ago, but we've got a lot of guys who played a lot of football coming back. Absolutely. Now we'll talk about the heart and soul of almost every defensive linebacking corps. They really help when you had that run defense. They've been top top notch each year you've been coaching. So talk about who's this year's linebackers have been working hard to earn those spots. Well, we'll start with their inside backers. And uh, you mentioned Keon Williams already. Um, you know, and having having that dominant player at Mike Backer, um, you know, is such a such a blessing for your defense. You know, it, it, it can fix a lot of problems when you've got a, a guy like Keon that can clean things up and, and make tackles uh, really sideline to sideline. It makes a big difference. So, uh, and we we had two other good senior backers, uh, inside backers, we we're having to replace. But we've got some guys we're excited about. You know, Alex Sanford is a tenth grader um, who we think is going to be a phenomenal player, and he's he's stepped in and. and you know, looks like he's going to be uh, squared away to be our Mike backer. Keegan Wilfong, you know, is, is a guy that played a lot of snaps last year. You know, one thing people probably don't maybe didn't notice, 
uh, with Keegan, the, the fourth down and goal stop in the state championship game that helped, uh, you know, helped us have an opportunity to come back in the fourth quarter. Keon Williams, his helmet actually broke the play before on third down. He had to come out of the game. So Keegan entered the game as a 10th grader, that biggest moment of the season, and was in on the tackle uh, on the goal line stand. So Keegan has played some football in some big moments, and we're really excited about Keegan. Um, then we've got some other guys really competing for that other spot. Spencer Morgan uh, is a senior linebacker that's that's been a spot player for us in the past, but has developed, and, and we're really pleased with what Spencer's done, and we think Spencer has a bright senior year ahead of him. All right, now I'm moving to the secondary. Um, probably the most cohesive amount of talent across the board that we've probably lost. Wasn't exactly a single player that really stood out. I mean, you could say Byron Tank Pearson was probably the most talented, but really all four were talented, and you have to replace them all. Who's going to be stepping up in the secondary this year? Well, so we did. We lost both corners and our free safety. Um, you know, last year, all three just fantastic players. Uh, but we're excited about that group, too. And, again, it's it's guys that we think developed really well during our JV schedule last year. Um, and, and we you know, we, we try to take a lot of pride in, in playing JV and, and, and getting work during the practice week uh, for those for our JV team. Uh, and I think these guys developed really well, and we're excited about them. Right now uh, you're looking at uh, Xavier Walton at corner and Jamal Giles at corner and EJ Wadley at safety would be the, the first group right now. Uh, and they've done a fantastic job. Uh, we've had Lucian Giles come out, uh, been a baseball player, but he's come out to play football and has really looked good in the secondary. Uh, we've got some other good young corners. Cedric Burrell and, and Malik Brewer look really good at corner as well. So uh, we've got some seniors also that giving us uh, some good looks uh, in the secondary. You know, Matt Sparks, DJ Gibson are some seniors who've, who've had a lot of success, you know, in our program and worked hard. And, um, you know, so we've got some guys there, again, that haven't played much. Um, but we're excited to see him get an opportunity, you know. And then the other group that we haven't talked about is our outside backer position where we have our one returning starter, Tristan Shorter. Um, and Tristan, you know, we're obviously – his production over the last two years is, speaks for itself, um, you know, and, and I hope that, uh, you know, that we see even better things. I think that we will see better things from Tristan. You know, he – I think the best is yet to come for him. He's continuing to develop physically and – um, you know, has worked in the weight room and is bigger and stronger and faster than he's been in the past. Uh, so we think he's going to have a great senior year. And then Q Blake is, is slated to fill in our other outside backer spot as a senior guy, again, that's kind of been a, a rotational player for us in the past. But, man, he, he has just been – he's developed and, and really has, you know, worked himself into being a really good football player. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys with, with such a senior-heavy team a year ago that didn't see the field very much, um, you know, that we're excited to get them out there and see what they can do. Yeah, I can't forget about Tristan Shorter, who's probably the most talented playmaker you have returning. And talking about last year within the secondary, I mean, really it was the year before where we saw all this talent come out and they've kind of held it down ever since. I hope to see the same thing. I mean, we all know about Byron Pearson, the playmaking abilities he got, but we can't forget about Scott Northlett, who made the huge interception against Starkville, and Javion Gibson-Holmes, who made that touchdown-saving tackle to allow Keegan Wilfon to have the fourth down stop and then have that come back. That secondary will definitely be missed. Yeah, there's no doubt. Those three guys, the just the production that they brought to the table, the turnovers, uh, the big plays. Uh, you know, in, in, in 6A football, you're going to go against, uh, it seems like every week, uh, everybody we play has some really talented skilled players, some really talented receivers. And um, so you got to rise to the occasion, you know. And I think one of the biggest things about playing in the secondary is mental toughness because you might get beat 
and you have to turn right around and play the next snap and still be confident and still play with that same edge that you had before. And I thought those three guys did a fantastic job of that. I mean, they came to work every single day. Um, you know, and, and I think they looked forward to the challenges of competing against some of the, some of the big time receivers that we got to play against. All right, the last group that we'll talk about special teams. We're not going to really get into Jack Tannehill much because we know how excellent kicker he really is, and that was on display throughout the season, last season, the season before, and the season before that. But more talk about like behind the scenes, the long snapper, who's going to be doing all the long snapping duties for punt, punt return, field goal kicking, and the holder and whatnot. Well, you're right. Jack Tannehill, um, you know, can't say enough good things about Jack and what he's done so far in his career here. And he's another guy that the best is yet to come uh, because he gets better every single day uh, with his work ethic. Uh, Cortland Wilfon is our returning long snapper. And Cortland, uh, we mentioned him at tight end. He'll be playing tight end for us as well. And uh, Cortland has, has recently been ranked nationally as a long snapper. Uh, I, in my opinion, I think Cortland's the best long snapper in the state of Mississippi. I mean, he is – done a fantastic job developing there uh, and really is, is a part of Jack being a weapon in the kicking game. You know, you, you've said kind of behind the scenes, the long snapper is a guy who sometimes goes unnoticed, kind of an unsung hero. And uh, Cortland's been so consistent and so good at that position for us and has really been a huge part of Jack's success over the years. And so we're excited about Cortland coming back there. And then, you know, we're developing some young kickers. Obviously, Jack will be a senior. And uh, so we've got some young kickers and punters who, who are doing a great job and, and who look good in practice. And uh, so, you know, we're, we're wanting to see them continue to grow. All right, that covers all the position groups. And now we'll talk about the onset of the season. First, the schedule, which we know last week the MHSAA has delayed, quote-unquote, the start of the season. What they really did was cancel the first two weeks of the season and cancel the road game against Northwest Rankin and more probably the more important game, the home game against Starkville in the Little Egg Bowl. But we still have 10 games, and Coach Fair talked about in the last episode that these foot, that his football players were excited to still play 10 games in the football season. How is this team going to be um, – how is this team really looking at the onset of this season? I mean, I think you're exactly right, Ben. I think, uh, you know, they just want an opportunity to get to play, you know, um, and we hope that uh, we just we just hope we have that opportunity that everything goes smoothly that that you know we do things the right way uh, with the school year and uh, people you know take care of their business so that we get to play. I think our guys have been fantastic. They've done everything right that that, that everybody's asked them to do uh, since since June first when we were allowed to start back up. Um, you know whether it's wearing masks to and from workouts, uh, you know temperature checks, all the things that we're doing. Um, you know, to ensure the safety of our players and their families and, and to ensure our opportunity to get to play football. You know, I think their actions speak louder than words, and they're so bought in to doing things the right way so that we have an opportunity to play. And uh, I'm so appreciative of them for that. And I can't say enough about what our players have done. Going back to March uh, when we closed school, uh, you know, went into online mode, you know, continuing to have virtual position meetings and continuing to develop as a player and continuing to work out and train, uh, you know, in those circumstances. I just can't say enough about the work that they've done. Uh, and so I look forward to seeing them have the opportunity to get out on that field and get to play. Yes, and let's finally start getting away from COVID-19 and everything that's happened in the past because that's what now it's in the past and we can look on to the future. Let's actually talk about a little bit of the season for much. Obviously, when we lose a game like the Little A Bowl against Starkville, we lost the regular season game last year, but 
that regular season game helped help pave the way for the game against them North Ave here at Bobby Holcomb Field. Missing that game, if we were to come across Starkville in the playoffs, we'd be facing more of an unknown as opposed to, oh, we have a game of film to look at. So if that were to be the case, losing that game against Starfield would be a pretty big loss just by not playing it. Well, you know, one of the things that we try to do with our non-region schedule is really challenge ourselves, you know, when uh, weeks one and two for us were two other 6A schools that we were going to, uh, you know, play against. And um, I, I just think those opportunities make your team better. Uh, you know, I, I think it certainly made us better a year ago to go through our, our non-conference uh, schedule. And, um, you know, we, again, two 6A teams and then two 5A teams that have been perennial playoff teams in 5A. So, you know, I, I think we try to challenge ourselves. So I think losing those opportunities against Northwest Rankin and Starkville, you know, it, it, you do lose the opportunity to really test yourself early and just see where you are and see what your holes are. I think that's one of the biggest things you can do during that time is identify the areas where you're not uh, playing well enough and, and figure out ways to correct those things before you head into, into the region schedule. Yeah, I said earlier that they'd be excited to play 10 games. I, right now we actually have just nine games on the schedule starting at Grenada and then the 50th meeting against Lafayette ever be here at Bobby Holcomb Field. I don't know how many fans would be allowed to attend such a historic meeting, but and then we have the seven region games. Talk about um, what Region 16A is expected to look like this year. There's a couple new coaches at Horn Lake and Tupelo, but just aside from the coaches, there's obviously a bunch of talent in 6A. The last two state championships have come from this division. Just talk about how tough it is in 16A and what to expect from this year. Yeah, so you actually have uh, a new coach at Olive Branch as well. So if you look at um, the other three teams that made the playoffs a year ago in our region, they all three have new head coaches. And so there's definitely some you know, some element of unknown there uh, playing those teams. I'll definitely have a new look uh, with new coaching staffs. Um, you know, So we're excited about that. But I think the biggest thing when you look at, at – Several years ago when we made the transition into 6A, what you learn is that every single week in 6A football you have to come to play. And that sounds cliche and it sounds – but it's true. And, uh, you know, there are teams uh, in in our region over the last three years that, you know, that maybe maybe go 1-6 or 2-5 in the region and several of those losses, if you look at them, they're single digits. They're right in ballgames. They're just going the wrong way, you know, or – uh, so it's it's really it truly is a, a matter of you better come to play every single week and I think our players have have learned that I do think it was an adjustment moving uh, to be honest moving from 5A to 6A to learn that level of intensity that was required uh, you know throughout each and every week of the season to be able to compete at that level but I think our I think our team understands that now and I think we know how important it is to improve throughout the season I think that's one of the biggest things that you see. In, in 6A football is the teams that, that do well or the teams that improve over the course of the season. You can't peak early. You know, you've got to continue to improve, and that's the whole key. And two teams I really want to talk about, particularly in DeSoto County, is Lewisburg. Lewisburg's a team that really had a great defense last year, and but it wasn't really shown because their offense just could not move the ball, and they had a really, really good kicker that helped out special teams-wise that really kept a lot of their games low-scoring. And DeSoto Central, a team that we had trouble with in the past, I think part of it was a couple short weeks that led into it, but still a team that had an offense that kept the defense on the field wherever it's just getting one yard past the chains or whatnot. I mean, the DeSoto County schools – 
particularly DeSoto Central, Lewisburg, and of course Horn Lake, who won the state championship two years ago. DeSoto County schools are finally coming along in the football world. Well, I think it starts with with great coaching staffs at those schools. You know, you mentioned Lewisburg and DeSoto Central; those are two really well coached football teams. Okay, Coach Gerke and Coach Ford and their staffs do a fantastic job. And Lewisburg, you're right. Last year uh, was not a playoff team. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, but but the defense that they put on the field was f- fantastic. Uh, talented, well-coached, good up front, good at linebacker, good in the secondary. And that's the thing, again, that you get to. You, you look uh, at a team that, that failed to make the playoffs and was a really, really good football team, you know, and that's that's going to happen in, in 1-6-A. You know, I think, to be honest, it happened to us several years ago in 2017. I think we were a good football team. Eight and four. Uh, that failed to make the playoffs. And so, you know, I think that just speaks to the depth uh, of the region. You know, you, you look at Hernando a year ago that – uh, you know, on paper, you know, from a wins and loss standpoint, struggled a little bit. But then you dig deeper into it and you look, and they were playing a bunch of young guys on defense that were talented players uh, that were that were just learning and growing every single week. And you watch them improve over the course of the season and, and, and you look at, you know, what's going to be in the future for that Hernando program. So I think you're right. I think the DeSoto County schools are, are playing some good football. Olive Branch, obviously, has played a lot of good football over the years. Um, you know, so – uh, it's something that, that's obviously the bulk of our region is DeSoto County, and, and those are always challenging games, every one of them. Well, thanks, Coach Huff, for spending some of your time out here. And I know you got congratulations on having your fifth child, Lewis, just this past week, or else I would have been able to do this earlier. But congratulations on your fifth child. I know you had to deal with another child before we started recording this. Yeah, thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the OLR podcast. This was episode 6, previewing the Oxford Charger football team. Please join for the upcoming episodes where we will preview the area volleyball teams. Thanks for listening. If you would like to sponsor the OLR podcast, contact me through a direct message on Twitter at BenMichael underscore FW, or you can send me an email at PlaysFair234 at Yahoo.com for more information.